0: Hi, and welcome to Strengthening the Soul of Your Leadership podcast. My name is Ruth Haley Barton, founder of The Transforming Center, and I'm here with Steve Weens, Senior Pastor of Genesis in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Steve is also a Transforming Community alum, which means we've spent time laughing, growing, and being transformed in Christ's presence in community with other leaders.
1: Thanks, Ruth. And hey, we've appreciated the great response we've had to the first five seasons of the podcast. And we would love to bring more seasons and expand what we're doing with the podcast, but all those things take financial resources. So if you've enjoyed the podcast, we'd like to invite you to become a monthly patron by visiting transformingcenter.org slash patron. That's transformingcenter.org slash patron. You can choose what level of support you would like to give, and you'll get some exclusive bonus content for becoming a patron. Thanks so much for considering it. I also want to let you know that this season we're walking through Ruth's newest book, which is called Invitation to Retreat. We're going to have one episode per chapter, and we encourage you to purchase the book and read along with us. When you buy the book from the Transforming Center, you're going to receive a signed copy from Ruth and some exclusive bonus offers. So visit the transformingcenter.org to learn more. Ruth, uh, the title of this episode is "The Sources of Our Exhaustion," and I love this topic because I think um, we we really need to get we really need to drill down into what is it that is making us so mm-hmm. tired. Yeah. Um, and so as we begin to settle in and actually get some rest on retreat. Uh, and I felt this, one temptation we might face is to try to fix our out-of-control lives on our own. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so what is, an, what is an alternative to doing that?
0: Well, the first thing we do is rest with it all. But then after that... Um we could take a posture of saying to god what are we going to do about that mm. and in that way two things happen one is we realize in in the way that we're praying that we're not alone that god is right there with us as we look at our lives and and experience the out of control nature of our lives and then secondly we realize that what most needs fixing in our lives what's what most needs solving um, it's not going to come from us anyway. If we knew how to do it, we, we would be doing yeah, it already, yeah, right? So yeah. there's, something's got to come from beyond. And so we look to God and on retreat, we don't try to fix anything, but we say to God, I'm open. What are we going to do about that? Um, after I rest, then, you know, maybe we can look at some of this stuff, you know?
1: So Ruth, as I've been on a retreat with you so many times, um, but it really took me a long time to realize that I wasn't just physically tired, that Mm -hmm. there's actually a lot of different sources of exhaustion and you Mm -hmm. write about those things and you helped us identify them. So what are some of those other sources of exhaustion?
0: Well, I think one thing that presents itself really quickly is the fact that many of us are functioning out of an inordinate sense of ought and should, which means that we're actually reacting and responding to other people's expectation rather than living out of our own longing and desire and sense of calling. And so for us to be able to acknowledge that we are living out of ought and should, rather than how God is actually calling us can be really an important thing to do. And we might you know, have an unreasonable sense of expectation about ourselves. I think many Christian leaders in particular think that we should be never-ending fountains of you know service and goodwill to everyone all the time and in all places. And we don't realize that that kind of mindset is going to just drive us right into the ground. We don't know how to be with our own humanness. We don't know how to be with ourselves when we're tired, when we're hurting, when we're broken, when we're confused. We don't know how to stop because, well, I really should be able to soldier on. I really should be able to keep doing for everybody else when the truth is we can't. Yeah. And so the first First thing that I mentioned is that many of us just are always reacting and responding to external expectations rather than being in touch with our own humanity and what it is that we can actually do in any given season. So that's, that's one thing.
1: Okay. As you were saying the ought and should, there's so much resonance and this like fictional person came to my mind that in this moment, they may have realized that's all I do. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. Like yeah. my whole ministry. Yeah. For my whole life has been out of ought and should, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: and I don't even. Oh my gosh, I'm just realizing that now. Yeah. What would you like? Like, let's say someone on retreat said Mm -hmm. that to you. Yeah. Um. And you could tell they were in a tender place. What would you help them? What invitation might you give them?
0: Well, on retreat, the invitation would be to let that go right now. On retreat. Yeah. And to stop thinking about what other people might be expecting of you, and can you be present with yourself? Can you be present with what your body wants and needs? Can you be present with your own longings and desires? Can you be in touch with God's call on your life quite apart from what anybody else has to say about it? And at least let retreat be a time of stepping away and stepping back from all the oughts and shoulds and letting your own desire, your own longing, the invitations of God in your life be the only thing that propel you along uh, during your retreat time. That makes retreat time a very special opportunity to practice living Um, living out of something else other than oughts and shoulds with some support, even too,
1: if you have a spiritual director. I love that. I think my go-to would be to fix that, you know, Mm -hmm. like I'm going to decide to quit. I'm I'm, I'm just going to quit. Yeah. Yeah, Don't do that. Yeah. Don't do that.
0: That would, you know, we got to be careful not to do reactive things up front. Yes. Retreat gives it, gives it a chance to unfold and for us to get through some of what we're feeling and then see what God has to say to it on the other side.
1: So oughts and shoulds, what are some Mm -hmm. other sources?
0: Well, um, very connected with that is that many of us find it difficult or even humiliating to receive help from others, and especially leader types who sort of define themselves by their role as serving others and ministering to others. Um, They're overly identified. We are overly identified with being the servant who does things for other people. And of course, we might think of the Apostle Peter, who's kind of the patron saint of this sort of thing, because he had just seen... Jesus allow a woman, Mary, to wash his feet and then Jesus tries to wash Peter's feet and Peter says, no, I cannot have you do that. You know, you're my Lord, you're my Savior, I can, you're my teacher, I can't have you wash my feet. Um, and it's interesting to wonder what's going on with Peter in that moment. And I think maybe a couple things were going on with him that go on with us and that is, first of all, we're overly identified with being the one who serves. And so to have someone else serve us is awkward, it's uncomfortable, it's humbling. Um, you think about a time when you're sick and people offer to come and clean your house, clean your bathroom, or bring you food or whatever, and you don't want your house to be seen in its less than impeccable state. You know, you don't want someone to come into your sick room because you're not at, at your best. And it humbles you to, to receive their service. Um, and then I think we do get overly identified with our role. Mm-hmm. And in fact, in some ways, when we are the one doing the serving, it actually keeps us in charge of the interaction, you know?
1: That's um, it. Y- yes. That is so, mm-hmm. I want to be in control. Yeah, I want
0: to be in control of this. And so if I'm serving you, I'm in control. Yep. And you, it sounds so altruistic and humble to say I'm going to serve, but oh no, not really. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Many, many times our service is actually to keep ourselves, number one, identified mm-hmm. as the servant, and then number two... Um, out of that humbling position of having to receive help. So sometimes I'll invite people to reflect on how they've ever felt at at a foot washing you know, so if you've ever done a foot washing, which role do you prefer? Do you prefer having your feet washed? Or do you prefer being the one to wash feet? And most of us would be would prefer being the one to wash the feet. So even though externally, or ostensibly, it is a role in which we are serving. The truth is, we get to keep our shoes on, there's nobody at our feet, right? Right. Mm -hmm. And we're more in in charge of that, that interaction, if you will, if I'm the one having my feet washed, then I'm the one that has to take my shoes off. I'm the one that has someone, you know, touching a, a part of my body that I'm not used to having some, Mm -hmm. anyone else even near, you know, and I have to give myself to what, you know, to, to their service as opposed to staying in control. And so these are very concrete ways that we can pay attention to how attached we are to the role of serving and ministering and whether or not we're willing to receive help from anyone. Um, And that's one of the sources of our exhaustion because we need help sometimes Mm -hmm. in life. And if we don't know how to receive it, then we're not getting the help we need. And we're always being the strong one.
1: Okay, so oughts and shoulds, mm-hmm. um, inability to receive help. Yeah, what are mm-hmm. some others?
0: We might be living more as a performer than the person that God created us to be. And I think all of us, as we've grown up in our families and in our culture, we have a sense of what's acceptable and what people are looking for in us. And so many of us, over time, part of the false self that we've talked about so often in these podcasts, part of the, the false self is is how we identify what we think is acceptable and what we think other people want from us, and then we perform in order to be that And so on retreat, we might notice that that performance mode has us continually exhausted. And the truth is that it takes more energy to perform than just to simply be the person that God created us to be. So however much we're being the false self and relying on the false self probably has a lot to do with how exhausted we are because we're not yet comfortable just being who we are in God's presence and allowing God to bring forth goodness from our lives. So that performance oriented mentality is is very and that's very highly connected to the oughts and shoulds because oughts and shoulds are somebody else's desires are my own. So whenever I'm reacting and responding to oughts and shoulds I'm probably performing on some level. Yeah.
1: Whew. Yeah. Um as a 3 on the enneagram I definitely relate to that mm-hmm. one even at Depleted sources. Yeah, I sort of still automatically scan the room for mm-hmm. ways that I could try to yeah. impress people, yeah. even if I'm, you know. T- yeah, what do they like but, and what do yeah, they want, and I'll give yeah. it to them. Oh Dag Nabbit. It's just it's so funny, <laughs> yeah. kind of so pathetic, yeah. but also just so real. Um, Okay, so are there other sources you want to talk
0: about? Yeah, one has to do with boundaries. You know that I have few or no boundaries on my service and on my leadership with others. And, you know, it's, it's funny, whenever I talk about having any sort of boundaries around our availability to others or how much we're working and serving, there are always some in the room who are visibly uncomfortable with the idea of having any boundaries at all, as though being a Christian leader or a Christian minister or a Christian at all means that. We don't have any boundaries, that we'll do whatever for anybody, anytime, and it doesn't matter whether we're killing ourselves and doing it. Well, these days, psychologists would call that poor emotional differentiation, that we actually literally don't know where I end and somebody else begins we can't even um, feel the difference between myself as a person and that need over there that I'm just so drawn into it that I don't even feel myself as being separate from it. Yeah. So whether or not I have any boundaries at all on my availability to others is really challenging for anybody who's in the helping profession, you know, whether it's doctors, nurses, psychologists, pastors, um, teachers, anyone who's in a helping profession probably has to wrestle with boundaries and whether or not they're allowed to turn off their phone, whether or not they're allowed to set the pager on the dresser, uh, whether or not they're allowed to go on vacation and not be on call. You know what I mean? Yeah. And these days, because it's possible to be on call, I think all of us wonder if we're allowed to go on vacation and not be on call. Am I allowed to go on vacation and not check email while I'm gone? Am I allowed to go on vacation and not be available by cell phone for an emergency? You know, I mean, all of those are questions now that wouldn't have used to have been our questions because it wouldn't have even been possible. But now the question of whether or not I can have any boundaries around my service to others is a pretty interesting question. I think that Mark 6, where Jesus is inviting his disciples to come away and rest a while, Jesus does that in the middle of two things. One is very successful ministry. The disciples are engaging and preaching and healing the sick and casting out demons in very effective ways because they're doing exactly what Jesus gave them to do, which is to, to do that ministry in Jesus' name and through his power. So they've been out there doing that, very exciting stuff. And then they've also been through a really significant and traumatic loss. John the Baptist has been beheaded, and it's been their job to go back and retrieve the body and bury it. So they've experienced a real loss as well. And in the middle of all that, Jesus seems to be trying to establish some boundaries. And to say, we need to learn together how to establish sane rhythms of work and rest, sane rhythms of being available and pulling back and not being available. Um, otherwise, you won't be able to survive in ministry. And so right away, Jesus drives this stake in the ground in Mark 6, early in their ministry life, and says, you know, you need to come away and rest a while, given all the output and also given this emotional hit that you've taken. Um you need to come away and rest a while. It reminds me of Dallas Lord's quote where he says, if you don't come apart for a while, you'll come apart after a while. Yeah, You know, that's what Jesus is saying, you know? yeah. So Jesus encourages that. Um, many of us are also walking around with the great burden of unhealed wounds strapped on our backs, um, sadness, unresolved tension, toxicity in our relationships. And many of us have never been taught how to grieve. Many of us have never... Um, Learned how to identify and extricate ourselves from toxic relationships. We don't even know if we're allowed to. We think I have to just stay in here. You know, mm-hmm. I can't I can't remove myself from this toxic system or this toxic relationship. Um, or, you know, we haven't learned how to shift unhealthy patterns within ourselves. And so we just keep soldiering on, just trying to deal with it the best we can, but not really dealing with it. So for us to have places to do our grieving, to work in therapeutic ways, with the losses of our lives and the dysfunctions of our lives, rather than just carrying it forever as this heavy thing that's strapped to our backs. Um, Many, many leaders, especially church leaders, I will say, you know, we can say this to each other because I've grown up in the church and that was, that's been my whole world along with your own, that um, that many pastors have really taken significant hits and wounds and injuries in ministry. Oh yeah. Been treated so badly and, things have happened within the church environment that we didn't even think could happen in a Christian environment. And because we're taught to be good Christians and to end well and to soldier on, we think the best thing to do is just to leave without saying anything and pretend nothing happened. And then we go on to the next thing and we have not dealt with the pain and the bitterness and the loss and the betrayal that maybe we've experienced. And so it's just in there sapping us of our life energy. Um, So I think that's a real source of exhaustion. And, for that reason, I think solitude needs to be cultivated as a place to grieve and as a place to weep and as a place to be raw and human and vulnerable and that to allow God to touch us in a healing way in solitude and silence, a place to be honest about the hurting places of our lives. Um, we've already talked a lot about information overload, but I do want to name it yeah. as a source of our exhaustion because I'm not sure we've all really grappled with this very much yet. Do we realize how exhausted we are? from being connected to the 24-7 news cycle. Um, From always checking in with whatever our news source is throughout the day and and being riled up with the news. Um, Another aspect of information overload is that there is so much information now available at the touch of a finger um, that, you know, you can search the web and it just takes you from place to place article to article interested you know articles you might be interested in if you've read this one Mm -hmm. you can lose two hours in no time flat just following all the threads of of news and information and research and and all of that and and at some point we just have to stop and we have to say there's no more learning that's going to contribute to where i need to go I've got to stop. I've got to cut myself off from all this information and rest myself in God and trust that the Holy Spirit's going to lead me. Um, and I don't need any more information to be led. You know, that's <laughs> really hard, uh, for some of us. Um, yeah. and then maybe I'll just mention one more and that is willfulness, which again, this is just a tough one for leaders because many of us got where we got in leadership because we really know how to push our way. Um, but human willfulness is a real source of exhaustion because oftentimes we're pushing our own agenda rather than being open to receiving what is. And so many of us have spent a lifetime just sort of banging up against the wall and, and trying to crash through the wall even when it's not being given. And so on retreat to be able to pay attention to where in my life am I I being willful? Where am I willfully pushing my agenda on the world rather than accepting what's actually happening here spiritually? Um, For some of us to let go of that for a while in solitude and silence can be challenging and yet so good for us.
1: Ruth, what's the difference between being willful and resisting the work of formation and sort of fighting for justice Mm -hmm. or, you know, sort of being the lone voice that's going to say what's wrong with the system? Mm Mm-hmm.
0: Well, I think right now I'm actually even talking about um you know, forcing our will on things and people. You no know? matter what. No matter what. Yeah. Um so
1: So less about advocating yeah, more about my way, my way,
0: way. Yeah, it needs to be the way. And and even where God is concerned. Maybe it's just not being given right now, but we just keep banging away at it. You know, we fail to recognize God's not giving this to me right now. So can I stop? And can I just let it be what it is? Um, to, to, to recognize that and step back is really important.
1: Maybe it was you. It sounds like something that you would say, but someone just told me, we need to stop clinging to that which has not been given right. to us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that phrase stuck with me like, mm-hmm. oh my... I'm grasping, clinging, reaching for something that God is not giving me, Mm -hmm. Uh, and even if it sounds sort of spiritual or looks sort Mm -hmm. of spiritual, yeah. Um, So are you willing to be a little vulnerable here Mm -hmm. and name one or two of the exhaustion sources that you're Mm -hmm. most uh, susceptible to?
0: Yeah. Well, definitely willfulness. (laughs) I would say, I mean, I think anybody who's wired for leadership is going to have this as a dark side of their leadership. Um, So the need for me to be able to let go of my willful pushing and to notice what's being given and what's not, and to accept that, that is a really important place for me in my own journey with God. Um, And then, you know, another, you know, peculiar part of my own personality, which I'll talk about later on in the book is... Is my own version of boundarylessness and people pleasing, where I just can't stand to disappoint people, and so to know that someone's disappointed with me keeps me going, keeps me on that treadmill to say I don't want to disappoint, I don't want to disappoint, so I'm just going to keep trying and trying and trying to never have to disappoint. Um, and so you know that's a people pleasing aspect of my own personality, and and I've had to do real work around mm-hmm. why that is so difficult. Why is it? Because I know some people who it doesn't bother them one mm-hmm. whit to mm-hmm. disappoint others. Yeah. Do you know people like oh, this? Oh,
1: absolutely
0: and, and, and I'm it so me envious crazy. of them. Yeah, it I'm like, me crazy. could I be like that? <laughs> I'd be in a whole different place if I didn't care like you don't care about yeah. disappointing people. Yeah. You know? So I've had to really work on how far that back does that go? Why am I so attached to the idea of of never having to disappoint someone in my life? Um, and do I think I'm so special that I will somehow get through life without disappointing anyone, you know? Where yeah. does that come from in me? So Anyway, those are those are things that I have paid attention to over time. And solitude is a wonderful, safe place to actually open that up before God and to notice those dynamics and to ask God to help me to move beyond them. Ruth, thanks
1: for all of that. So good. Uh, how would you like to close this episode?
0: I think I'd like to close by bringing us back um, into Isaiah 30 as a biblical way of framing our conversation. Because Isaiah 30 contains... A chilling portrait of a very willful people who I think look a lot like us. Um, People who carry out a plan, but not mine, God says. Who set out to go down to Egypt without asking for my counsel. uh, To take refuge in the protection of Pharaoh and to seek shelter in their shadow. Uh, They support themselves in their willful choices by saying to the seers, Do not see, and the prophets, do not prophesy to us what is right speak to us the smooth things, prophesy illusions, leave the way, turn aside from the path, let us hear no more about the Holy One of Israel. And I don't know about you, but there's something about that description that reminds me of myself. And so I I find myself wanting to be more honest about the fact that that's me sometimes, that I'm the one who runs away willfully when God's calling me. I'm the one who doesn't want to hear the hard truths that God has to speak to me during my retreat time. And yet, in the midst of all that seduction... God shows us his love and God says in returning and rest you shall be saved in quietness and trust shall be your strength therefore the Lord waits to be gracious to you therefore he will rise up to show mercy to you for our God is a God of justice blessed are all those who wait for him Thanks so much for listening today. We know there are thousands of podcasts to choose from, and we are grateful you spent the last 30 minutes with us.
1: If God has stirred something in you about your own leadership experience, maybe God is inviting you to begin your own journey of leadership transformation. I was a part of Transforming Community Number 6 way back in 2011, and it was such an important part of my spiritual journey. Transforming Community is a practice-based spiritual formation journey with nine quarterly retreats. The Transforming Community is designed to integrate your spirituality and leadership, helping you reclaim practices and experiences spiritual seekers down through the ages have used to open themselves to God's transforming work. Thank you so much for your support of the Transforming Center and this podcast. If you've enjoyed the podcast, please rate and review our podcast on iTunes or wherever you subscribe. These reviews and ratings increase the visibility of the podcast. Thanks so much.